0: Section 18 of the Letters of Madame de Sévigné to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 54. Madame de Sévigné dictates, her son writes. The Rocks, Monday, February the 3rd, 1676. Guess, my dear child, what it is that comes the quickest and goes off the slowest, that brings you nearest to health and removes you the furthest from it, that throws you into the most agreeable situation imaginable and at the same time hinders you from enjoying it, that flatters you with the most pleasing hopes and keeps you longest from the accomplishment of them. Can you not guess? Do you give it up? Why, it is the rheumatism. I have had it these three and twenty days. Since the fourteenth day, I have been free from fever and pain, and in this delightful situation, thinking myself strong enough to walk, which is the summit of my wishes, I find myself swelled all over feet, legs, hands, arms. And this swelling, which they call my cure, and in reality is so. It's the sole occasion of my present vexation, were I good for anything I might gain myself some credit by it. However, I believe the enemy is conquered, and that in two days I shall be able to walk. Lama Machin gives me great hope of this. I every day receive letters from our friends at Paris congratulating me on my recovery. I have taken Monsieur de L'Orme's opening powders, which have been a great service to me. I am going to take them again. They are a never failing remedy in these cases. After this attack, I am promised an eternal succession of health. God grant it. My first step will be to return to Paris. I desire you, therefore, my dear, to calm all your fears. You see what a faithful account we have given you of the affair. Let that make you easy. Letter 55 Paris, Wednesday, April 15th, 1676 I am very melancholy, my dear. My poor boy is just gone. He has so many of the little social virtues that are the charm of society that were he only an acquaintance, I should regret his loss. He desired me over and over again to tell you that he forgot to take notice to you of the story of your Proteus, who was at one time a Capuchin, at another a Galley slave. He was highly amused at it. It is supposed we are going to undertake the Siege of Combray. This is so extraordinary a step that everyone thinks we've had intelligence with somebody in the place. If we lose Philip's book, it will be very difficult to repair the bridge. Vederemo, we shall see. But still we reason and make almanacs, all of which end with, The king's star will prevail. At length, Marshal Belfon has cut the thread that tied him here. Footnote of Premier Maître d'Hôtel or Lord Chamberlain to the King. Back to main text. Sanguin has purchased his place for 55,000 livres and a brevet de retinue of 350,000 livres. This is a fine settlement and an assurance of a cordon bleu. Could note Monsieur de Sangrin was not created a knight of the king's order at the promotion in 1668. But the Marquis de Livry, his son, who was premier maître d'hôtel, was comprehended in that of 1724, back to main text. Monsieur de Pompon has paid me a very cordial visit. All your friends have exerted themselves wonderfully, I do not go out yet. The cold winds retard the cure of my hands, and yet I write better than I did, as you may see. I turn myself at night on my left side. I eat with my left hand. These are left-hand performances. My face is very little altered. You would soon discover that you have seen it somewhere before. It is because I have not been bled and have endeavoured to get cured of my illness without such remedies. I thank you for mentioning the pigeons to me. Where has the little one acquired this timidity? I'm afraid you will throw the blame upon me. You cast a suspicious eye toward me. This humour will I dare say pass off, and you will not be obliged to make a monk of him. I am resolved to go to Vichy. They have set me against Bourbon on account of the air. The Maréchal d'Estrée wishes me to go to Vichy. She says it is a delightful country. I have told you what I think of that affair. Either resolve to return hither with me, or do not come at all. For a fortnight will only disturb me with constant thoughts of a separation. It will be, on the whole, a foolish and a useless expense. You know how dear the sight of you is to me, so take your own measures. I wish you had finished the bargain about your estate. Monsieur de Pompon tells me it is raised to a marquisette. I desired him to make it a dukedom. He assured me it would give him great pleasure to do so, and that he would use all expedition in drawing up the patents. This is a considerable step. I am delighted to hear the pigeons are so well. How does the little tiny, or rather the great fat one, do? I love him dearly for resolving to live against wind and tide. But I cannot forget my little girl. Good note. Marie Blanche the fifteenth of november sixteen seventy back to Main Text. I suppose you will determine on putting her to Saint Marie according to the resolutions you adopt this summer. All depends upon that. You seem satisfied with the devotions of Passion and Easter Weeks. You shut yourself up at Grignon. For my part, my thoughts were not affected with anything. I had no object to strike the senses. I ate meat till Good Friday and had only the comfort of being very distant from any opportunity of committing sin. I told Mousse you remembered him and he advises you to make the most of your man of wit. Adieu, my dear child. Letter fifty-six, Paris, Wednesday, April the twenty-ninth, sixteen seventy-six. I must begin by telling you that Conde was taken by storm on Saturday night. The news at first made my heart beat. I feared the victory had cost us dear, but it does not prove so. We have lost some men, but none of any note. This may be reckoned a complete happiness. Larré, the son of Monsieur Lenay, who was killed in Candia, or his brother, is dangerously wounded. You see how soon our old heroes are forgotten. Madame de Brémevillet is not so comfortable as I am. She is in prison, and endeavours to pass her time there as pleasantly as she can, She desired yesterday to play at piquet because she was dull. Her confession has been found. It informs us that at the age of seven years, she ceased to be a virgin. That she has ever since gone on at the same rate. That she had poisoned, her father, her brothers, one of her children, and herself. But the last was only to make trial of a counterpoison. Medea was a saint compared with her. She assigned this confession to be her own writing. It was an unaccountable folly, but she says she was in a high fever when she wrote it, and that it was an act of madness or frenzy, which does not deserve a serious thought. The Queen has been twice at the Carmelites with Madame de Montespan. The latter set on foot a lottery. She collected everything that could be useful to the nuns. This was a great novelty and amusement in the convent. She conversed a long time with Sister Louise de la Misericorde, footnote Madame de la Valliere, back to main text, and asked her whether it was really true that she was as happy there as it had been generally reported. She replied, I'm not happy, but I am contented. Conto talked to her a great deal of the brother of Monsieur, and asked her if she had no message to send him, and what she should say to him for her. She replied in the sweetest tone and manner possible, though perhaps a little piqued at the question, Whatever you please, madam, whatever you please. Fancy this to be expressed with all the grace, spirit and modesty which you so well understand. Quanto afterward wished for something to eat and sent to purchase some ingredient that was necessary for a sauce she prepared herself and which he ate with a wonderful appetite. I tell you the simple fact without the least embellishment. When I think of the letter you wrote me last year about Monsieur de Vivonne, I consider all I send you as a burlesque. To what lengths will not folly lead a man who thinks himself deserving of such exaggerated praise? Letter 52, Paris, Friday, July the 17th, 1676. At length it is all over. La Brinvilliers is in the air. After her execution, her poor little body was thrown into a large fire and her ashes dispersed by the wind, so that whenever we breathe we shall inhale some particles of her And by the communication of the minute spirits, we may be all infected with the desire of poisoning, to our no small surprise. She was condemned yesterday, and this morning her sentence was read to her, which was to form the Amonde Honorable in the Church of Notre Dame, and after that to have her head cut off, her body burned, and her ashes thrown into the air. They were for giving her the question, but she told them there was no occasion for that and that she would confess everything. Accordingly, she was till five o'clock in the evening relating the history of her life, which has been more shocking than was even imagined. She gave poison to her father ten times successively, but without effect, and also to her brother and several others. At the same time, preserving the appearance of the greatest love and confidence. She has said nothing against Panautier. Notwithstanding this confession, they gave her the question ordinary and extraordinary the next morning. But this extorted nothing more from her. She desired to speak with the procurator general. No one yet knows the subject of their conversation. At six o'clock she was carried in a cart with no other covering than her shift and with a cord round her neck to the church of Notre-Dame to perform the amende Honorable, after which she was put again into the same cart, where I saw her extended on a truss of straw with a confessor on one side and the hangman on the other. Indeed, my child, the sight made me shudder, Those who saw the execution say she mounted the scaffold with great courage. I was on the bridge of Notre-Dame with a good Descartes. Never was Paris in such commotion, nor its attention so fixed upon one event. Yet ask many people what they saw, and they will tell you that they saw no more than I did, who was not present. In short, the whole day has been dedicated to this tragedy. Letter 58 Livry, Wednesday, November 4th, 1676 Nothing can be more true than the proverb which says that liberty is destroyed by uncertainty. Were you under any sort of restraint, you would have determined what to do long ago and not have been like Mohammed's coffin, suspended between heaven and earth. One of the loadstones would certainly by this time have got the better of the other. You would no longer be dragooned, which is a very unpleasant state. The voice you heard in passing the Durance exclaim, "Ah, mother, mother, would pierce to grignon, or at least that which counseled you to leave it, would not haunt you at Briar, for which reason I maintain that nothing can be more opposite in its nature to liberty than indifference and indecision. Can it be possible that the sage Lagarde, who has it seems resumed all his wonted wisdom, has likewise lost his free will? Is he incapable of advising you Can he be at a loss to decide in this important point? You've seen that I decide like one of the councils. But how is it that Lagarde, who is coming to Paris himself, cannot contrive that his journey may not take place at the same time with yours? If you do come, it will be no bad thought to take the way of Sully. The little duchess would certainly convey you as far as Nemours, at least you would find some friend or other from day to day, so that you would have a relay of friends till you found yourself in your own apartment. You would have met with a better reception last time, but your letter came so late that you took everybody by surprise, and had nearly missed me, which would have been a fine circumstance indeed. But we will contrive to keep clear of this inconvenience in future. I cannot help praising the chevalier, footnote de Grignon, back to Mentex, who arrived in Paris on Friday evening and dined here on Saturday. Was it not very good of him? I was delighted to see him, and I assure you we spoke with great freedom of your scruples. I am now going to take a trip to Paris. I must see Monsieur Louvois on your brother's account. "'who is still here without leave, which vexes me not a little. "'I want to talk to Monsieur Corbert, likewise, about your pension. "'These two visits are all I have to make. "'I have some thoughts of going to Versailles, "'but will acquaint you whether I do so or not. "'In the meantime, we have the finest weather imaginable. "'The country has yet put on none of its horrors, "'And St. Hubert.' has favoured the hunter extremely. We are still reading Sir Augustine with pleasure. There is something so great and noble in his ideas that all the mischief that weak minds can possibly receive from his doctrine falls infinitely short of the good which others may derive from the perusal. You will imagine I give myself airs of a learned lady but when you see in what a familiar style this is written, you will cease to wonder at my capacity. You tell me that if you did not love me a great deal more than you say, you should love me very little. I'm strangely tempted to scold you for this, even though I should risk the saying an unkind or uncivil thing, but no, I'm fully persuaded you love me. And God knows much better than it is possible for you to do what a strong affection I entertain for you. I'm glad to hear Pauline is like me. She will serve to put you in mind of me. Ah, oh, Mother, there's no need of that. End of section 18